Good evening. Uh, this is the Wine of Life podcast. I'm Wes. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about how I study and read the book of Revelation. And uh, so it's not going to be about a specific chapter or anything. It's just going to be about how I read it and um, how I think uh, it should be read and how it should be studied. Um, so I'm going to get right into it. When we talk about the book of Revelation, a lot of people think it has to do with um, the all sorts of the battles and the crazy things that happen and the amazing visions. But Revelation itself is supposed to be a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to reveal something about Jesus Christ um, that either we didn't know before or wasn't made clear before, but now in the time of the church age it has become clear to us. So that is the point of what John is trying to tell us. So when we read the, the, the um, book of Revelation, I read it in, in the most uh, literal sense as it, as it can be taken. I, I mean, some of the things are wild, but I take it in the most literal sense, and I see it as a time as something that is to come. It's not something that's already happened, and it's not just simply parables um, or can be viewed from a spiritual perspective. And there's all sorts of ways to interpret it, but I do believe that these things are still to come, and they're real events that are going to happen. And what I believe it is, is the ending of the 70 weeks that were prophesied by the prophet Daniel. And so when you read it, you have to see it from that perspective. That's how um, I read it every time I study it. This is the last week of those 70 weeks. And so I'm going to go into what Daniel has to say about this. In Daniel 9, 20 through 27, we get the prophecy of the 70 weeks. It says, While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about that time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, there is no word for reconciliation in the Old Testament. That word that they translated as reconciliation is kafar, it's the atonement. So this is the atonement of sins, or the removal of sins to bring them back into uh, the right graces of God. And so that's what these 70 weeks are supposed to be about. They are about um, sanctifying the people in order for them to come back to God and for God to come to them. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, that is 69. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. So there will be seven, and then there will be 62. And after that, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Now, within Christianity, we believe that this was the time that Christ came, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended. That was the end of the 69th week. And so we're waiting for the time of the last week. Then it says, And the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city, the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now we believe that to be the time of the, seven, of the um, 70 A.D. destruction of Jerusalem. But now we get to the final week. It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. 
And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So there are judgments to be poured out upon um, the Antichrist and those who follow the Antichrist and the things that are going to occur in that final week. So the final week is something that has not happened yet. Uh, as it says, there will be a destruction of the city and the sanctuary, which happened in 70 AD. And then it says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So the one week has not occurred yet. Now, why are there 70 weeks? Now, what Daniel was doing in, in chapter 9 was he was reading from Jeremiah 25. Um, there was a judgment that went out as to why Israel, or Judah, rather, were sent into Babylon for 70 years. This is what it says in Jeremiah 25, 11. It says, This whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Now, they had to do 70 years because they had broken the sabbatical law. I'm going to read from you 2 Chronicles 36. This is what it says in 2 Chronicles 36, 20 and 21. It says, And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia, or kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbaths to fulfill threescore and ten years. So 70 years, there were 70 sabbatical years that they had not um, celebrated, they had not done which means they were not reverencing the land. And not reverencing the land meant they were not reverencing the sanctuary of God. They were rejecting the rest that God had given them in that land, which was the promised land. And for that, great desolations were supposed to come upon them. They would be removed from the land. Now, this is what it says in Leviticus 26 in the law of the sabbatical year. First off, you have to understand that the land and the sanctuary are seen in the same light by God. It says in 26, 1 and 2, You shall make no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And from this, he starts to, to tell them about blessings they could receive if they are obedient and desolations and judgments they could receive if they are not obedient. And this is where we get into the book of Revelation. This is the final week. In the book of Revelation, there are um, judgments th that are multiplied by seven, and there are four of them. And these coincide with the judgments that come from Leviticus, right? So this is a judgment of the law. It's one of the reasons why, for me, the church does not go through the final um, week, because we have already gone through the judgment of the law, which was Christ. We are in the body of Christ, and the body of Christ took upon the, the wrath of the law by being made a curse for us on the cross, and therefore the church does not go through this particular um, last week, this seven years. And so this is what's going to happen in the earth. In, on, in Leviticus 26, um, 18 through 20, it says this, if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. This is something that coincides with these seven seals from the book of Revelation in um, Revelation 4 and 5. 
and uh, eight one, as I believe. And then you get another time where he multiplies it by seven again. It says, if you walk contrary unto me, and this is in verses 21 through 22 of Leviticus 26, it says, if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring you seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number and your ways shall be desolate. And this is in uh, correlates to the seven trumpets that are given to us in um, Revelation 8, 9, and then 11, 15 through 19. And then we have the seven thunders. Now, we don't know exactly what the seven thunders are, but they are a judgment, and I'll read those in a minute. This is what it says in Leviticus 26, 23 through 26. It says, If you will not be reformed by these things, but will walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary unto you and punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you and be delivered unto, the, and you shall be delivered in the hand of your enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake bread in one oven, and they shall be delivered you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. Now in Revelation uh, 10, I'm going to read it for you, 10, 1 through 7. Now the way that the judgments comes down are through these angels that God sends. And it says, um, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and rainbow was upon his head, and his face were as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, and, he, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered. And write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. And he swear by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things that therein are uh, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now the mystery of God to be finished is the pouring out of desolations to bring atonement or reconciliation back to God. And so this is a judgment that is supposed to be finishing up things. And so we get to the final in the fourth one, which is also found in Leviticus 26, 27 through 31. It says, If ye will not walk for all this, hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times uh, for your sins, and ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you, and I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. This is the seven vials, or the seven bowls, that we find in Revelation 15 and 16. And after this, there is reconciliation. And that is what we have in Revelation. These are the very last, uh, the seven bowls of the last judgment that are given. So there are these things that correlate to the judgments of the sabbatical year. They correlate to this final week where desolations are poured out in order to bring about the reconciliation and atonement of sins. Now you say, well, this was for Israel. So why should this be something for the whole of the world? Because when Christ died for us, this is... Uh, we're going to read in Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
So, and I understand he's not just talking about Israel when he says this. It says, He redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, which was the death of Christ on the cross. This is why he did that, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus Christ dying on the cross was for the world. He is the rest or the sabbatical for the world. His sanctuary is Jesus Christ. Rejecting that sanctuary is rejecting the rest that he has given us. So just like uh, Israel rejected or Judah rejected the sabbatical law and therefore did not respect his sanctuary, they were then judged with these. The whole of the world now will be placed, those who've rejected Christ will be placed under the judgment of the law because he has redeemed us from the law, but if we don't accept his offer of grace, then we aren't saved. And therefore, this is why I believe the church does not go through this final week because we've already gone through it because we are the body of Christ and the body of Christ has already gone through the judgments of the law. Whereas those who've rejected Christ, the Jew and the Gentile, will have to go through that. Now, there are other people who get saved in that. There are 144,000 who are sealed in that. So there are people who get saved. Nevertheless, they weren't saved at the beginning of the of the tribulation, and therefore they go through this seven-year period. Some obviously die. Um, we, we see the two witnesses who come down. They die, and they, they are then taken up into heaven after three and a half years. So the church doesn't go through it, but people will be going through it, and the whole of the earth is going through it in order to sanctify the earth to make it fit for the king to come and reign. So judgment has to come upon all of the earth. And the reason why this is a revelation of who Jesus Christ is is because the way that we read the Bible and what the, the revelation of the incarnation was is that we start at Genesis. The Genesis tells us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God is first revealed as the creator. And he's revealed as the creator, and then we go all the way up to the Gospels. And then God is revealed through the incarnation. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so now there's the incarnation, which is the revelation of God. So we have that. Now we have the book of Revelation, which is supposed to be a revelation of Jesus Christ, but it goes in the opposite direction. The first one goes from creation to the incarnation, which is then the establishment of the church by the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And then we have the letters that accompany it. In the book of Revelation, it goes the it goes backwards. We start with the church, Jesus Christ declaring, I am the beginning and the end. So just as in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, now we have the incarnation saying, Jesus Christ saying, I am the beginning and the end. So we are starting from the church and we are moving backwards to a new creation. So we have a creation with the tree of life in Genesis. We will end in Revelation 21 and 22 with a new creation also with the tree of life. So we are going backwards. And the whole point of the book of Revelation is to reveal that Jesus Christ was the same God of the Old Testament. He was the same God who created everything. He's the same God who's in charge of everything. So everything that you see in the Old Testament should be viewed in that light, in light of who Christ is. And so this is the way that the gospel, the what it's called the eternal gospel, is declared in the book of Revelation. In, four, in uh, Revelation 14, 6 and 7, it said, I, know, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, 
to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. So in the gospel that Paul is preaching to the church of Corinth when he's telling what the gospel is in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, we see that Christ is the Redeemer and the Savior of men by the cross and the resurrection. Here, the eternal gospel is declared to be the one that brings judgment and the Creator. So he's the Savior and the Redeemer during the church age. We are now going in a period of revelation when we start this seventh, this 70th week. We're now going backwards to now God, Jesus Christ, the Incarnation, is the judge and the Creator, and he is to be worshipped for those judgments, for the manifestation of those judgments, because it's showing who he is. He is the same God that was in the beginning, and he's the same God that will be in the end. They're, they're, they're all the same. The triune God was always the God. And there's a great bit by um, Paul in Ephesians um, 3.10 where he discusses that Jesus, that the world was made by the Father, by Jesus Christ. And this is what he says in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, or 15 through 19. It says, Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So Jesus Christ is our creator. He is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning? So again, the title of the beginning is given to Christ, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus Christ, and the revelation of who God is is found in Jesus Christ alone. It's not found in anybody else. And so the book of Revelation is trying to reveal to us that Christ was the same God who gave the law. Christ was the same God who um, sent the flood down. Christ was the same God who um, created all things, visible and invisible. He is the creator of it all. So the same God who decided to come in the flesh and be born by a virgin and live in the first century uh, in uh, Judea and in Galilee and then died on a cross and rose again is the same God who existed before the foundation of the world. And, and even in Revelation 13, 8, he's, he's called the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And so the book of Revelation links the incarnation with creation. In one way, we see a revelation of Jesus from the cr creation of time, where God made all things, all the way up to the incarnation. There's a sort of um, uh, a gradual progression of creation that shows us who Christ is, and little bit by bit we get to see more about the triune God. And you even kind of read this in things like Psalm 33, 6, where it says he made things by the word of his mouth uh, and by um, uh, by his spirit. I'd have to read it for you, because I've already halfway forgot what it says. But um, so we get these little bits and glimpses, and by the time we get to the gospel, we get to see more of a whole picture. It says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, that word being Jesus, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, that breath being his spirit, his ruach. So there are bits in the Old Testament where we get to see the triune God, but in Jesus Christ, the whole thing was revealed 
in a, in a greater way. And the book of Revelation is revealing Christ, but going the opposite direction. So one goes from creation to the church age. One of them starts, Revelation starts in the church age and goes to creation. So that's how I read the book of Revelation. Part of that is kind of based on some of the ideas of the doctrine of recapitulation, um, which talks about all things being summed up, heaven and earth, that God decided before the foundation of the world to sum up all things in the incarnation of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 1.10. And I'll discuss that more in a later video. But um, that's what I wanted to talk about, the book of Revelation. And uh, I think it's really interesting. It's one of the most interesting books in the whole of the Bible. Uh, so if you like the video, uh, hit like. If you want to support it, there'll be supports in the description below. If you want to comment on it or you completely disagree with me, uh, you're welcome to comment and we'll talk about it. Thank you and have a good night.